Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to participate in our children's education. And Lord, we thank you for the counsels that you have given us. And I pray that you would put the words in my mouth, that I would reflect aright the education that you want our children to have in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The original classroom. Don't you love that picture? I mean, that just looks like a boy's haven. And when the Lord placed us on my in-law's farm, I didn't know I was going to be the mother of four boys. I only had one boy when we moved to the farm. And the Lord continued to bless us with boys. Um, and this is... Now, I wouldn't say this is even the original. This is the best classroom, especially for boys. So, could it really be the best? I have a quote I'm going to start with, and I can't tell you. It's many slides long. Did my boy leave? He did. Cause, okay, it's, it's all good. Um, this is my favorite quote on education, and it's a very long one. And I have, I have broken it up into one-sentence bites because, honestly, I feel like the, each sentence could be a whole topic in and of itself. So, with the people of that age, this is talking about Christ and his education. With the people of that age, the value of all things was determined by outward show. What do you think? How, how does that, Christ's day, the value of all things was determined by outward show. Is that us today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Second sentence. As religion had declined in power, it had increased in pomp. What do you think? Religion had declined in power, and it had increased in pomp. I won't ask you to, to, to agree with me, but I'm just going to say that it's my belief that it's that more than it's ever been. We might have pomp a little bit more um, subdued, maybe a little more acceptable, but... If we could really reach down into our hearts and really see that we're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked, religion has declined in power and it has increased in pomp, just as in Christ's day. The educators of the time sought to command respect by display and ostentation. And, and in some ways, I feel like our world today is actually really casual, you know? It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same pomp as maybe it did in times past. You know, in Christ's day, you get this idea of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, coming in and all of their, you know, fancy dress of the day and everyone being like, you know. So I think, that, I, I think that it has changed some, but I think that the root is still the same. Things can change on the outward, but the root is still the same. 
uh, let me just go back to this um, commanding respect. How do we command respect in this day and age? Money. What about, what about all the letters that follow one's name? You know, what's that about? Do you need to tell somebody all your letters? Does that really make you valuable? I hope you were at Alan's devotional this morning. Um, it was such a blessing, and it really touched on some of these things. You know, respect and our self-worth are to be gained from our relationship with the Lord. Okay, we need to hurry. To all this, the life of Jesus, all that pomp, all that pride, all that decline of religious power and the increase of pomp, to all this, the life of Jesus presented a marked contrast. Can you see Jesus coming into this place and behind his name, it would say, Son of God, commander of the universe, creator of all things. Now, he says that in the Bible because it's important for us to know who he is. But, you know, you don't get the idea when you read the Gospels that Jesus was out there. You know, don't forget who you're talking to. It just was not that way. His life was a marked contrast. His life demonstrated the worthlessness of those things that men regard as life's great essentials. We could take a lot of time to think about what are the great essentials of life. We don't have time. But his life demonstrated the worthlessness Oh, how many things we focus on that are worthless in our education. Here's a long sentence. Born amidst surroundings, the rudest, sharing a peasant's home, a peasant's fair, a craftsman's occupation, living a life of obscurity, identifying himself with the world's unknown toilers. Amidst these conditions and surroundings, Jesus followed the divine plan of education. I didn't have that education. I'm sorry, I didn't have that education. I, it was the education that I received was not in a peasant's home. It was not of peasant's fear. It was not of a craftsman's occupation, living a life of obscurity, identifying with the world's unknown toilers amidst conditions of... It wasn't that for me. And, but I'll tell you this. When it became that for me, for my children, it was hard. It was hard. You know? You come through the system... You think you have something to offer the world? You get out of college and you feel like you got the tiger by the tail and I'm here. What can I do for you to change your world? Because I have all the answers. And one by one, the Lord just started to take us back and back and back, put us in a very humble occupation. 20 years ago, let me tell you, farming was not at all looked upon with any accolades. <laughs> I mean, when we would be in our circles and tell people we're leaving our teaching and we're going to start farming, it'd be like, have you lost your mind? 
Maybe? Maybe? So, the schools of his time with their, did I go the wrong way? No, the schools of his time with their magnifying of things small and their belittling of things great, he did not seek. His ideas were totally different. Here's the last. This is the best. This is the punchline. This is what gave me courage. His education was gained directly from the heaven-appointed sources, from useful work. There it is. Man, we had a ton of useful work. When I grew up, I'll have to say, I had some chores, but there's a difference between chores and really useful work that has to be done. Chores are useful work, though. Um, my mom just, bless her heart, she didn't give me enough chores. <laughs> from the study of nature, I mean, excuse me, from the study of scriptures and of nature, the experiences of life. So, Christ got his, his the heaven-appointed sources were from useful work, from the study of scriptures and of nature, and from the experiences of life. God's lesson books full of instruction to all who bring to them the willing hand, the seeing eye, and the understanding heart. You know, there were times when I didn't have the money to buy the books. And so then you go, okay, well, Lord, but I've got, I mean, how much money do you need for useful work, for the study of scriptures, the study of nature, and the experiences of life? If you don't have the money to go out and buy all the curriculums, I mean, I had tons of friends who were homeschooling, and they'd go to homeschooling fairs, and they'd get all these cool curriculums, and, you know, they'd be all excited about all of this, and there I am with my old books and thinking, my kids are so deprived. You know, <laughs> my kids had it the best, actually. It was, it was incredible. Um, so, it's good. I would encourage you to go back and read at least selected parts of the book Education every single year that you're homeschooling. So, but I don't want to just be, I want to I be practical, as practical as I can, and really just look at some ways that you can bring the, the s agriculture as a, a focal point in your education. So, boy. I guess I, okay, well, anyway, there are all my points. <laughs> so, um, spiritual lesson notebooks, and this is something that we did. You know, it doesn't really cost much, but you take your kids into the garden, and while you're working, you can be talking. You'll, you'll hear a lot in all of the different topics that I'm going to say. The oral education that we give our children is extremely important. It's it's where it's at. That's, the or, that's largely what Jesus got, was an oral education. Um, so we would have a notebook, um, and they would, I might point to them, this lily. What can we learn from this lily about the love of God? And they might draw a picture of the lily. And they might, if they were able to write, I had some real challenged students who reading and writing came very, very difficult for. Um, so we might just draw a picture, and I might be the penman for years. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So we told a lot of Bible stories in the, in the garden. Or we might turn it into a bit of a, a game and we might do 20 questions um, or other, you know, just Bible knowledge things. Um, it was really fun. With my last, I have one. So I guess I really should say this for those who don't know my family. I have a daughter that is 26. Um, maybe once you're married, you shouldn't tell your age anymore, huh? She's married to Nick Connect, and um, she, went to, she did the flower growing, for those of you who sat in on any of that. And then I have four boys. Jonathan is our oldest. He, he's um, a businessman. He owns a business. He brought it up from the ground um, called Farmer's Friend, and he manufactures tools for small farmers, which I just feel so excited about because the tools that the Lord has given him the wisdom to design and manufacture are putting many people who aren't Christians back into the garden for a livelihood. That's so exciting. You know, even the ungodly will meet God in the garden. He's there. So that's very exciting. Our, our third born is Joshua. He farms with us full time. Our fourth is the boy that was here with me, Zach. He's definitely my technology helping young man. He's just on the onsets of starting a small engine shop, um, resurrecting one that his older brother started before he started Farmer's Friend. Um, great opportunity to witness to those around our community. And my last one is Caleb, our caboose, who is 14. So he's six years um, after Zach. If you've been by our booth, you see Caleb's handiwork. He's been gifted with his hands. And um, the, the schoolwork and the bookwork has been more difficult, but I, I would say this to encourage any moms who have kids who, what is, it's difficult, um, be patient. Get them in the garden more, get them doing useful occupations and useful work more, and all the rest sorts itself out in time. Um, so, Bible is so easy to do in the garden, you know, because you're surrounded by nature. It's God's first book. Reading. No better place to read than to sit in a hammock, on a chair, in a wheelbarrow, or on a bucket in the garden and have your children read to you or to themselves. So this is Caleb. I was picking green beans, and I said, Caleb, I, you're going to have to bring your books to the garden today because... I'm going to have to pick green beans, and so you come and you read to me. And that's, that was not terribly uncommon. Um, but even when I wasn't in the garden, it was also not uncommon for me to encourage them, take your books and go outside. Now, I know it might take them longer. They'd get distracted um, by good things that they're learning from. But um, the great out of doors is the best place to gain an education. Writing. Again, kind of dovetails with the Bible thing. Keep an observation journal. So I would sometimes um, send them out. You have 30 minutes. I want you to go out. I want you to observe something. And I want you to write about what you observed. Now, sometimes it would come back and I couldn't read a thing of it. But I'd just say, that was a great job. Why don't you read this for me? Yeah, that's a good one. You don't, don't say, what does that say? You say, I'd love for you to read this to me. Or tell me about your picture if you can't figure out what that picture is. 
um, record a story in the garden to write later. You know, we live in a day, technology is, a, is such a double-edged sword, but if you use it for good, it can be a wonderful tool. And, you know, you can put it on your phone, you can be recording, say, you know, I want you to record a story, or I want you to record the process of what you're doing. Point A, B, C, D, and then I want you to go back in and I want you to, to write that out. Um, or just collecting content, you know, while you're in the garden, I want you to be thinking about a character lesson that we can learn, and then I want you to, to write about it. But again, if you have a slow writer, don't burden them so much with writing and take advantage of their oral skills. Get them to record their story, and then talk to them about um, their English, where they could, you know, you could have thrown in a really interesting word here in your story, or you could have um, given this description. You could have used more descriptive words. So, like, you know, let's look at this leaf. Um, how would you describe this leaf? It's all about, you can teach so much without opening a book ever. Um, you can teach them about adjectives. Do you know what adjectives are? And they, or better yet, say, I want you to tell me something about this leaf. What does it look like? Well, it's green and it's, it's whatever. Do you know what those descriptive words are called? Those are called adjectives. Everybody in the real world thinks of those as adjectives, so it's important for you to know that. But anytime you want to describe something that you can put your hands on, you're going to use adjectives. So you see, you just kind of bring the school without the books into the garden. And I would say, um, if you have in your mind, sometimes, and I tell you, I, so many times when I went to the garden, I was not thinking this way. And I didn't have really anybody to encourage me outside of the spirit of prophecy, which definitely encouraged me. But to just be practical, to say, Pam, this is what you can do. I was just kind of, you know, scraping for things. But I, you can get... Um, I should know. Scope and sequence. Are you familiar with that term? It's, it's a list of what teachers should cover each year for students. So in English, this is what in third grade you should cover. So, you know, you can actually kind of tick it off. Okay, so they need to learn about adjectives this year, or they need to learn about adverbs, or they need to learn about um, compound sentences. You can teach about compound sentences in the garden. You can teach about simple sentences in the garden. Um, so you can be following your scope and sequence and using the garden as the tool to direct it, if that makes sense. Math. Math is an easy one to teach in the garden. Um, I would say that the, the purpose of math is to teach you how to problem solve in this world. You know, so in, in school you have books and you have the story problems. I want to just ask you, how many of you could easily do the problems, but when you got to the story problems, there was a breakdown? Can anybody relate to that? It's like when I was teaching, I felt like, you know, there was a lack of ability to take the skill and to figure out how to do it. Well, what I observed in my family is that because they learned math more in the garden at the beginning, 
they didn't even know what they were doing. So I could, I could say to Caleb, okay, we're going to, you know, like division. He had a hard time catching division. But I could give him a story problem that included dif- division, and he would give me the answer. Amazing oral abilities to do math. But then transferring those to paper was a bit of a challenge. But once it clicked, it all clicks because you've already got the practical application. And if you're going to bring something to the table first, so much better to bring the practical. You know, teach them how to figure problems, figure things out. So story problems, skip counting. You know, you, however you're going to do math. But I taught my kids to, before they did multiplication, they were doing 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. And then when it came to applying it, then it was the pattern was already in their mind, so it was easier. Um, We didn't do it to any songs or ditties. We just wrote memory, skip counting all of them. Odds and evens. Um, You know, you can look at this bed. Maybe you can't see it, but this is is an odd road bed. And it's not uncommon to say, okay, we're going to plant 100 feet. We're going to do five plants. I want you to go to the greenhouse and get me the number of trays that we need. Okay, so then you've got to know, okay, there's 36 plants to a tray. They're not all going to be good, so there's going to be a few. So if I, you know, go back and count maybe 30 to a tray, and you have to make sure that you have more than you need, not less than you need. And do you see the math that's going on there? It's like, okay, wow. So there's a lot of... um, measuring, using a measuring tape. There's a lot of calculating and doing different kinds of math. And then, of course, if you're just working one-on-one, which I can tell you was such a joy. I mean, uh, some of my best parenting memories are in the garden. When I'd just be working with one child and we'd be talking, they would open up their heart to me like you've experienced when they, you go to tuck them in at night and all of a sudden when it's time to go to bed, They want to talk. Don't neglect those times. Seize the opportunities and the moments. So that's a great place. Okay, we're going to do our, we're going to drill addition and subtraction. And you just oral, drill, oral. Okay, we're going to do adding. Um, So I want you to add nine and six and five and four and whatever, you know. Give them a whole string of numbers. See if they can add them. Education used to include a lot of oral. Science. Observation. This is something that we, we kind of look forward to every spring. It's just kind of one of those things, the cycles of life. So in the spring, the frogs are, Caleb corrected me, mother, it's toads that go to our pond. I'm telling you, my kids know so much more from observing. than, And I, I wished I could say I taught them. I wished I had come to it with a lot of general knowledge on things. But we've learned together. So, observation, research. Okay, so these, you know, first thing we hear, we live, I mean, the pond is quite a long ways up the valley, but literally, when the, when the spring comes on and the toads go to the pond for mating, we can hear them at our house. Janelle, did you ever? She was our neighbor for a while, and, and, but we would, so we would hear them, and then it was always a family deal. We would go up to the pond, and I mean hundreds of frogs mating. 
laying eggs. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's the most amazing. They're out of their mind. You can hold them. <laughs> They'll lay their eggs in your hand. You can pick up these eggs by the thousands. Last two days. But you know, what an opportunity then. And again, today, I didn't have this opportunity when our other kids were, were younger, our older ones, but today Caleb and I go often to the internet. What is this? Or what is that? Or what is this? Notice I said we go together. He's 14. He does not go alone. Period. Our, our only computer, our family computer, is in the living room, and it's, you don't go alone there. And we have purposed not to have um, unlimited, or we, we don't have Wi-Fi. We don't have a router in our house. We don't have Wi-Fi. The only way in our house you can, if you come and visit us, we make it difficult for you to get on the internet. That way we can visit, right? It's kind of the same with our family. So we have to put our phone in the window and turn on our hotspot, and it's a bit of a pain, and it, you know, so it keeps us not there, you know, we're not there as much. Anyway, observation followed by research, asking questions, finding answers. Um, there's so much that is just naturally there. Social studies. I mean, the teamwork skills, isn't that about social studies? Isn't that a study in social behaviors? Um, another way that I, I think it's great to teach social studies is follow the, the theme of the adult quarter. Or that, you know, every quarter there's a part of our church that is getting the 13th um, Sabbath offering. Make that your, your study for that, that quarter, you know? Just all, you know, all it takes is bringing it to the table, have a globe, we have a map, you know? So we often talk about the world. That would be more in, in uh, geography. I didn't put geography in, but they kind of go together. They kind of go together. For us right now, um, our daughter is traveling a lot. She and her husband work full-time for AWR. Well, I can tell you for Caleb, this is part of his education now to kind of track where his sister is in the world and what that world, you know, what, what's, what's in that part of the world? What does that part of the world look like? Where are they at um, in different areas? Um, so definitely farm um, work includes teamwork, communication skills, leadership skills, organization skills. You know, it's interesting. I, I read something recently, and then I did a little bit of research. You know, I was going to research, and I was going to bring you some research. And you know what the Lord impressed me? No. There's a plenty of research. You can go do your own research. But I'm here to share with you our, what has worked and what hasn't worked and, and our own testimony. But this is a little bit of interesting research that kind of fits in here. Um, employers are finding that college graduates today are lacking the softer skills. Have you ever heard that? The softer skills. Um, I'm thinking, what are softer skills? Communication. People don't know how to communicate anymore. The younger generation is all in a virtual communication. So what do you do when you're face-to-face? -face? So lacking communication skills. Lacking skills in teamwork. I was already working on something. These are so easy to get. 
Um, and so that's why I would say, if you raise your children in an agrarian setting, they will be sought after. I knew I never would have expected. I, isn't that a shame? I would never have expected the results that I've seen in my children. I'm ashamed of that because God's ways are better, but we just don't believe it. We keep thinking that, and I did it too. You know, we just keep thinking that, well, we've got to, you know, make sure they do this and make it. I mean, we did not, well, I have to just be careful. But I just look and I say, you go back to the children of Israel, Bezalel, do you know that name? God, the Bible is so clear that God gave him the talents needed to do the artistry on the sanctuary in the, in the wilderness. He didn't have those skills. So, you know, as you're training your children, don't be comparing them to the children who are coming up through the system. You know what? Those kids can look better. They can actually look better because they're advancing at what I would say is an unnatural rate. And we liken it to this. We take our transplants from the, from the, uh, the greenhouse. They can look really good. And you take them and you plop them in the ground and they can just do How many young people have we known who kind of just came up you know, in, in uh, the, the system and you take them out and you put them out and they just wilt? It doesn't always fare as well. I feel like in homeschooling, we do what's called hardening off. You have them in the home, you set them out. This is what we do with our plants. Set them out for an hour a day. Then we put them back in the greenhouse after an hour. Then we bring them out the next day. We let them stay out for several hours. It takes us at least a week to harden our plants off. There, it's a process. It's a process going back and forth. Social skills are best learned in the family setting where you're dealing with siblings and parents, maybe grandparents if you're blessed. Um, our children had the opportunity to man farmer's markets at a young age. Lots of ability to speak and interact with people of you know any age. Um, so social studies, you can do it more intentionally. Again, you could get a scope and sequence and think, okay, these are the kinds of things I should be teaching in social studies. These would be really easy to apply in the garden. Phys physical education is the most obvious. Fresh air, sunshine, exercise. Um, we like to say agriculture. Farming is the only occupation that incorporates the eight natural remedies, the eight doctors. And so that makes it really easy in, in our education. I mean, you don't even have to do anything for PE credits. You just live. You're just in the garden, and you're just there. Does anybody know, is this class supposed to end at 1030? OK. All right, so this is my last quote, and then we'll have some time for questions. Education means more than the mere study of books. It is necessary that both the physical and mental powers be exercised in order to have a proper education. So it wouldn't be a balanced education if you just took your children to the garden and you never cracked the books. 
That would not be balanced. That would not be a proper education. That would not be preparing them for life. I'm a big proponent. You have to be a good reader. You have to be a good writer. You can learn a lot of other things if you have those two things in place. Um, when This is amazing here. When in counsel with the Father before the world was, it was designed that the Lord God should plant a garden for Adam and Eve in Eden and give them the task of caring for the fruit trees and cultivating and training the vegetation. Useful labor was to be their safeguard. Adam and Eve needed a safeguard. Have you ever thought about that? Really? In the Garden of Eden where there was no sin? Well, they had Satan who was tempting them, I guess. But it was to be their safeguard and it was to be perpetuated through all generations to the close of Earth's history. To have a whole-sided education, it is necessary to combine science with practical labor. You know, it was very interesting to me the correlation be between the prophecies of the beginning of the end and the Industrial Revolution coming together at the same time in Earth's history. Useful labor and practical labor for many, many people is unheard of today. So, I would just commend to you the original classroom as the best, the very best place for children to gain an education. And that's what, that's what we had. So, any questions? Any thoughts, any challenges? Please feel free, I love, I don't, I don't love to debate, but I don't mind to be challenged. In your experience, how do the kids, they're not exposed? Okay, so the question is, how, how do we deal with social interactions, and if a child is at home alone, um, are they being, um, are they gonna be disadvantaged socially? Is that what I hear you saying? So I would ask you a question. Who do you want them to be socializing with? Absolutely. I 100% agree. So then I would say this, just collectively. Where are they going to learn to share the gospel with the world? How many peers, how many of you learned to share the gospel by associating with peers? I mean, I see a lot of heads shaking. The, the, it's, it's a misnomer, and I, I want to be careful because I don't want to be too, but that is the number one thing that people say about homeschoolers. And let me tell you my observation. Homeschoolers are the most well-balanced, socialized kids you will ever meet. My kids far excel me. When I was 14, I could never have manned a booth at the Ad Agra conference. You know, my 14-year-old yesterday was left there to do the booth because I had other things I had to do. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a temptation of the devil to think that our children are, what they need is to socialize with peers. What they need is to socialize with parents and aunts and uncles and older youth 
who are godly. Do I think socializing is important? Yes. Do I think that if you have an only child, you should keep them at home and not have, give them opportunities to socialize? No. So there's got to be a balance. You know, for us, we didn't have to go create it. We were at farmer's markets. We were doing CSA deliveries. Our children have grown up having to interact with adults. When you know how to interact with adults, there's not, it's just not hard to come back and interact with peers. All of our children are quite shy. They are almost across the board introverts. But you would never know it if you talk to them. So, and I, my kids are no, so I guess I say that because I want you to know that if it was hard for any to socialize, it, would, it was hard for our kids because they just, and then I would also say this, we as parents took it very seriously. We, we would come to places like this, um, we would go to family camp meetings, and we would tell our children, we want you to introduce yourself to a friend today. <gasps> you know, I can't do that. Yes, you can. They're, you're all on neutral ground. I want you to meet a friend today, and at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you. And if you haven't met a friend, well, just let me say, it would be really, you would be much happier if you met a friend today, you know, because we would try to, we would really, I guess you would say require it. I don't want to say force, but if you know it's good for your children to learn to interact, require it. Say, or, and help them, facilitate it. So sometimes we'd be someplace and I'd say, oh, Joshua, have you met this other little boy? And, you know, and then, you know, you try to make it happen. But I would say, by faith, go forward and make sure that you allow social settings and you don't allow your children to hide behind your skirt for the rest of your life or your jeans or your whatever, you know. So be, be um, proactive in helping them learn to socialize. Back there. Okay. I think I understand what you're saying. So the question is, if you have one child that's specifically interested in one interest and the others don't share that interest, do you allow them to do that? And the answer is yes. I believe in individualized education. If you have a child that is a really quick and strong reader, then you're going to utilize that part of their education. You're going to give them the book and say, I want you to read this history book. I want you to read this science book. But you're not going to um, do that to every student. And yes, I, th I think it's important. And especially, it depends on the age. When our kids were little, like we, we would do unit studies sometimes. And they would, inside that unit study, be able to pick different topics that they could, they could run with. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.